Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Bar Down Breakdown? And tonight we are joined by Piper Shaw, reporter for Root Sports and the Seattle Kraken. Piper, what's going on tonight? Well, there's lots going on around the city of Seattle this weekend that we are recording this, but I am um, just coming off of a busy week, working a lot of games, but looking forward to hockey coming back for sure. I think we all... Once that July 1st, like trade deadline and free agency opened up, I think a lot of people are like, all right, we're we're getting closer. The the schedule's out. So I know a lot of Islander fans are eyeing that West Coast trip like they always do. And, you know, I'm just super excited for October, except I'm a teacher, so I don't want the summer to go by too, too fast. (laughs) I don't want to wish it away quite yet, but always exciting. Everyone, every fan is excited in October and thinks that their team's going to win the Stanley Cup. So it's always a lot of fun. For so. sure. And we've had a, a big new a big week in news in Krakenland with some contract extensions and signings and stuff too. So um sharing all of those and seeing all those come to fruition has just kind of made me a little bit more excited that it's coming around the corner sooner than later. Yeah, I was going to say, Vince Dunn just got an extension, right? The yep. coach, yeah. Yeah, and the and head coach, Dave Haxel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So I guess let's talk a little Kraken because um, it, it's still a, a newer team. I, you know, you're you're not the babies quite, you know, anymore. However, um, you know, you, you see what Vegas accomplished this past season, winning the cup, and then, you know, you guys actually – going on a little bit of a playoff run um you know do you feel like that the city of seattle has 
totally bought in and is like cracking all the way. A hundred percent. The city of Seattle had bought in well before they even were named the Seattle Kraken, uh, which is a big reason that this team um, or rather that the organization is so committed to making everything about the team as thoughtful, purposeful, and just exciting as possible. Um, they got 32,000 season ticket holder, basically commitments before they even had a team name. So like our arena is amazing, but also it's kind of hard to get a ticket to get in. And it's kind of expensive because basically all the tickets are season ticket holders reselling their tickets because there are so many people who were like, yes, I will commit this much time and this much money just to having NHL hockey back in this city. Um, so, and obviously the first season was um, disappointing, but not necessarily surprising. Like, you know, it's a first season and they had to start in COVID and there was, yeah. all, I mean, I can't, the, the difference even just in how the organization was able to run just because people were able to actually be in person together and know each other now and spend time with each other, both on the ice, but also off the ice, like the whole, every, everything surrounding it, even beyond players. Um, I think, it just took a little bit longer, just given also the context of the world when they were starting this whole thing. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, and you know, it, it seems like they definitely gelled year two. And us being on the East Coast, um, I, I unfortunately don't get to watch so much Kraken hockey just with like the time difference. But when, when the Islanders play the Kraken, I, I'm always trying to make it as at least a period or two if it's during the week. And, um, you know, it, it's just fun. They did such a great job with the brand in the Jersey. So sick. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I read somewhere that like the Kraken brought in the same guy who was responsible for Vegas's in-game presentation to like, make sure that it was very city specific and didn't like copy what happened in Vegas because Vegas is a show town. And obviously, Seattle is more of like a techie kind of grungy city. And I, I I was very like, because let's be honest, like the NHL can be boring at times, but like we wanted to make sure like that the Seattle team was aware of its rich, like music history and, and like culture. And it seems like they, they have embraced that. For sure. And yeah, you're absolutely right. They brought in Johnny Greco and Aaron um, Sequeira, I think is how you say her last name. I'm not sure, but they both launched the arena um, were big parts of launching the arena experience in Vegas. They brought them in for the Kraken. And um, I, I know Johnny pretty well. I've talked to him a lot about it. And I what they wanted to achieve was the same level of wow factor, but in a completely different way. This like this city is not about showgirls and sequins and feathers on their heads. And, you know, bigger doesn't mean better in Seattle. Smarter means better or like more interesting or more creative. So they had to find ways really to do things that had never been done in any arena in any sport in North America. You know, try to find ways. And then also they kept the heart of what the Kraken story that they wanted it to be at all of it. And then also, as you mentioned, a lot of history and a lot of music history. So um, almost all the music that plays in Climate Pledge Arena during a Kraken game are local artists. They've played my music like a couple times. They've played all kinds of 
um you know local artists and they kind of like switch it up but, but they'll you know they'll play like the big pearl jams too the, those kinds yeah. of things but they'll also bring in small local artists they also have a stage in there that's not like the stage in vegas it's not as big but it is still like a very clear vantage point for people to be able to see hosts or guests or people doing the little you know games in the arena but they'll bring bands in so now we've got bands in and they'll bring local bands in i have a nice. friend who's who's in a, a band they're kind of i would compare them to like, like kind of like a coheed and cambria style sound but like maybe a little more poppy or a little bit more like modern coheed in a way um, but yeah, they've, they've played shows there. There's all kinds of, they bring in all kinds of bands or even sometimes they had like a kid's band who came in like some middle schoolers who were really cool. So, uh, music is absolutely something that is very thought of. It is at the top of their mind for the arena experience for fans in Seattle, as well as you mentioned, like the technology aspect of the city. And that's a big thing as well, too. They've got more LED around this arena than any arena or stadium in North America. There is lights and screens and stuff everywhere, but also um, just a lot of technology in the arena that even even just from how the sound travels, how they've engineered it for sound, concerts, they're amazing. But they've they made a point where no matter kind of where you are in the stereotypes of Seattleites, it meets or exceeds what you would expect of it plus it's also called climate pledge arena and so it's also like the most sustainable arena in the world there's no single-use plastics in the arena nice. they have a whole wall of live plants like real living plants they have a full-time horticulturist who like keeps the plants alive and it's Sweet. a whole it's all kinds of things yeah and they got those amazon like just walk out kiosks do you know what i'm talking about where you <laughs> yeah yeah they got just those yeah, they got those all over the arena. Uh, Todd Lightwicky, the CEO of the Kraken, he said that he wanted the arena to be the death of the queue. <laughs> that was his his phrasing. So he's like, I don't want people to be, you know, missing puck drops because they're waiting in line for things. And, you know, there are certain spots that I think are very popular. And so it depends. But a lot of the places you can just get in, get out. And for all those reasons, I think fans have so bought into the Kraken, but also the product on the ice improving significantly has been huge too. Yeah. I think we've seen it like two ways because we've interviewed a few Kraken fans on our show already. And specifically Nick Newsham from Gatsby's American dream, iconic pop punk band from Seattle. He was a huge basketball fan. Like when the Sonics left, like he was heartbroken and when we originally got him on, when like Seattle first got the team, like he didn't buy in yet. And he was like, yeah, I just really want basketball back. I don't really know hockey. I don't understand the game quite yet. And then they announced some earlier. reunion show, like uh, some reunion shows a couple of years later. So we had Nick back on and he was rocking a cracking shirt. Like he was all bought in. He's like, yeah, I've been going to a bunch of games. Like, you know, I, I still don't quite understand offsides and, and things like that but like i'm i'm like a cracking fan and he like goes to bars and watches the games and things like that and then we have the other end of the spectrum of like people who already loved hockey in seattle like you know but picked up other nhl teams so like dan from the home team huge hockey fan he's a philadelphia flyers fan and I think I think because he grew up a Flyers fan and like was a diehard Flyers fan, like he I guess it's hard for him to make the, the crack. Yeah, like it's hard to make that switch. And 
I, I'm in Charlotte, which is a, a pretty trendy city too. And if for some reason the NHL decided to expand to to Charlotte, there's no chance in hell I'm jumping ship and becoming whatever the new team is. Like I'm still gonna be a diehard Islander fan till the day I die, unfortunately. And like I would definitely go to games, but it would kind of just wouldn't feel right. And I, it's hard to explain, well, but it's no, it's funny that you say that though, because we definitely I've noticed that there are a lot of home crowds that have fans of whatever the other team is. Because another thing about Seattle is not only that they haven't had NHL hockey in so long, but also that they have so many transplants. Like, yeah, the city is like really a, a melting pot of people who've come here to work for all these various companies. So, um, I think that happens at a lot of the sporting events, but particularly with hockey, it's like. I'll be like, wow, what a surprising crowd for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I didn't know there would be so many Oilers fans in Seattle. Like, it's because it's not super convenient, but, you know, it's a division matchup. But it, it's like all it's it's all kinds of things. I'm like, why are there so many Florida Panthers fans in Climate Pledge Arena right now? Like, we could not be further away. And there's a lot of Sharks fans, um, mm-hmm. even though the Sharks are the Sharks. But there's a lot of Sharks fans that um, are kind of Sharks and Kraken fans now. I've noticed that one for sure. Um, I think a lot of Canucks fans actually have jumped ship uh, to the Kraken because they're yeah kind of tired with what's happening with that organization. With organization. Right. Yeah, rightfully so. But yeah, to your point, um, there's definitely like people who were already here who loved hockey. But I also think that the environment they've created, even, no matter what team you're rooting for, if you don't even know or care the sport at all, it's so fun. Um, and you mentioned... Dang it, I lost my train of thought now, but that's okay. We'll get back to it later. <laughs> it's all good. So um, you, you mentioned how, um, you know, that they are really focused on, you know, the type of music that they play during the game. And Nick was saying that the local college radio station is actually, like, responsible for the music. Is that correct? No, that is not correct. Um, oh, so okay. there's there's a there's a station here called KEXP, which is not a college radio station, but it is like a an independent radio station that's super popular here. Like people are, it's a it's definitely like a cult following thing here. KEXP, which is right by the arena, and they do like a song of the game where KEXP picks like a local artist i don't know exactly how it happens but they pick a local artist and then they do play that song in its entirety in the arena but the local music is picked by the music director i've interviewed him multiple times before he's super cool his name is david hatch or dj side but he has like he is the one who takes all the songs downloads them and picks them for the individual moments um and he like he's so smart too he'll have like a whole bank of stuff that's all local but also perfect for if you gotta go on the pk you know so because there's so many typical ones you know they they might play like killing in the name of or whatever it is yeah there's there's always like those go-tos in arenas and he he keeps that same idea and that doesn't mean he never plays like a hockey classic but he keeps that same idea and he tries to find local things for all of the moments and I, I've seen his, he's like, yeah, I'm saving for this for, for a really high, high level puck drop that everyone's going to have so much anticipation for. But I think for Thursday's game, for Thursday's game, like he, he's got <laughs> it. He's, he's really passionate about picking that stuff. And obviously the messaging to him about what kind what, what local means, you know, it's not, 
it's not just Macklemore and Pearl Jam. It's in Nirvana. Like it's all the other things too. Um, and speaking of Nirvana, I'm sure you guys are aware, but the Kraken's goal song is Nirvana, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is really cool. And I think the arena is really fun when they score a goal and that song starts playing everywhere. It's, it's lit. <laughs> yeah. I, I love when teams do that. Um, you know, Jersey has gaslight Anthem. Uh, there, there's just like a few that have caught on and realized how like important their local music scene is. And they embrace that. And I just, for the love of me, wish the New York Islanders would do that because all they do is shove like Billy Joel down our throats. And I'm like, do you understand how freaking important the long Island music scene was in the, in the early two thousands? Like, yeah. From like 98 to 2006. Yeah. And they yeah, never so many good bands. No love for Sunday, brand new. Well, not really brand new anymore, but yeah, they're, uh, they're canceled. Yeah, that, that so made me that made me think of what I forgot about what I was saying before. You mentioned a couple. You mentioned like Dan from the home team. I actually know Dan quite well. He plays on my husband's hockey team, which we found out through a very comical series of events, actually. Um, but a lot of people who maybe weren't into hockey or were into hockey in a different team. I think people have found out that for whatever reason, rock music, pop punk, punk rock music goes with hockey so well. And so your guys' podcast is like the perfect, (laughs) like, like there's something about the cultures that just makes sense. And it's not just because there's fighting in hockey. Like there's something about it that I just think people who like that grunge vibe, who didn't think they would like hockey or didn't think they knew anything about hockey. Anybody who was like, Oh, I, you know, I think for some reason it just integrates really well into the sport. And then they kind of learn the sport and they're like, Oh, and our play-by-play voice, John Forsland, an absolute legend. He, uh, he always says how hockey is a game of emotion. And I kind of think that might be why, because the music I almost think that's playing in the arena is so much more important than it can be for other sports, because Mm -hmm. it kind of dictates really how the crowd feels, but how the players feel too. I know that our players have, made comments before if they didn't like something or if they really liked something. So anyway, just kind of, kind of a cool, I think your guys' podcast just the concept of intersecting those two is really cool. Cause it just makes sense. Like it just makes sense. Anyway. And I think it goes to like the, the whole aspect of like hockey for so long has kind of been like this weird, like outside type of sport where it's not necessarily like in the mainstream, like baseball, hockey and basketball is. And I think people who are, who typically are on like, the fringes of not necessarily like society, but like a, like pop culture are typically drawn to that type of atmosphere a little bit more. And the fights help. The fights help. <laughs> the fights help. There's barely any fighting in the NHL. Let's be real. ECHL baby all the time. It's yeah. still a physical game though. It's still yeah, it a is. more physical game than, and even like football, obviously there's physicality to it, but it's so much more like, calculated and kind of you know a core part of the game and it is in hockey but it's also just kind of like a big check just yeah you know gets everyone the cheers going. for the yeah, big the check going. <laughs> yeah football's like top 40 radio like that's like yeah. the equivalent yeah. right like yeah yeah exactly I everyone know. can just be like yeah i like football just like oh yeah I, I like music but then they're naming off top 40 shit it's like do you really like music if that's your favorite <laughs> band? Like your favorite band is Katy Fall Perry. Fallout Boy. Play. Yeah. Well, you know. I'm not I, a Fallout have... Boy hater, but when like I've had so many people be like, oh, you like like punk rock music? I love Fallout Boy. I'm like, 
I was thinking more like anti-flag, but sure. <laughs> yeah, Someone, Fall Out Boy for sure. We, we when we were up in Charlotte, we went to a to a a bar like down the street from the venue, and one of my friend's friends that lives in Charlotte, they were like, "Oh, what type of music do you play?" It was like, "Oh, like pop punk." And he goes, "Oh, like Fall Out Boy and Dance Gavin Dance." And I'm like, "Those are the two most different bands that yeah, you could possibly what? think of." <laughs> and somewhere in between there is us. Yes, absolutely, but. Somewhere no. in this vast range. <laughs> yeah. At least they knew who Dance Devin Dance was. Like, this is true. That's a deep cut. Yeah, that was something actually. Um, for the Kraken this year, they do a fundraiser for their nonprofit every year called My Favorite Things Baskets, and they asked all the broadcasters if we would put a put a basket together for a donation to for fans to bid on. And so I put one together with Allison Lucan where we picked some of our favorite things. And one of the things that we included was two tickets to see the home team and with confidence. Nice. Um, or wait, Sweet. or was it actually, no, it was the home team show with broadside. It was, broadside. Yeah. It, it wasn't the, it was the one this spring, not the one in the um, fall anyways. Um, and I was talking to Dan about it. Cause I had to submit like a, a, sheet so people knew exactly what they were getting and i'm like two tickets to the home team and broadside i was like how should i describe exactly the kind of like what do you guys say is the kind of music that you guys make because pop punk is generally appealing but they don't make pop punk music like they make almost like r&b pop metal in a way like it's it's very strange but how if i put that i don't know if somebody's gonna get how that is super good (laughs) But, but yeah, you're like the like the spectrum. He's like, you can just put pop punk if it's like random people, and I'm like, it's gonna be some rich people bidding on this basket <laughs> of all of these things. And so, anyways, I think we just put like pop rock, maybe. But that's even that works. It feels that works. But it still feels like not. It feels like you're accurate. calling them like an Olivia Rodrigo type of kinda, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, let's just talk about how great the home team is the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah, we Sorry, could I easily just... do that for another 30 minutes. I could easily. They're just <laughs> the best band ever. They're so good. I saw that tour um, when they came through Charlotte and was blown away. They're so good. Yeah, they're awesome. They're good people, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned how your music specifically has been played in the arena. So, like, was that just, like, a total like all your worlds colliding moment what was that like for you yeah it's um it's crazy and they've they've played my music at like sounders games too, our mls team and other places um the first time that david hatch the music director was gonna play it he like texted me that day but i'm like working and so and i don't sit in the arena when i'm working i'm kind of out in this hallway like at home um, outside the locker room. So I don't necessarily see or hear what's going on in the arena. Um, but I knew it was happening because I got blown up on Twitter <laughs> by fans. And I also knew it was happening because he told me, but he didn't know exactly when it was going to like be or whatever. So I couldn't really just ditch my responsibilities and go stand out in the arena, hoping that it would play at any moment, just fingers crossed. But I got all these videos from friends up in the press box and just fans in the stands. They're like, they're playing your music. And and it was so cool because when that happened too, I think I released the song last August and they first played it at like a preseason game. So it hadn't even been out for that long. And it felt like at the time I got so many people sending me videos of it that it was so cool. One, to that it was playing in this venue that I 
was working towards getting a job working in and for the at this team's game that I was, you know, just trying to get a job at four years ago, basically. So that was super surreal. But it was also crazy that like all of these fans were sitting in the arena and knew just by hearing it that that was my song. Because that means that they actually listened to it enough times to know that it was my song, you know, and get their phones out. So that was really special. And as I've released um more music they've played those throughout the arena as well and but I think my favorite memory of them playing my music in the arena was actually in the Krakens it was game six at home against the Colorado Avalanche and they went I think that's the one that went to overtime I think that's the one it was the one that went to overtime it might have been it might have been game five I'm not sure. It was whichever one. I was against the Avalanche at home, went to overtime. Um, and they played my song during like the the overtime break, basically, right before. So I had been wandering around because during during intermissions, I can wander around and I got to take a video. And the fans are like juiced up because overtime's about to start. And, and they played Bold, which is um, the one that we had at the start of the show, which is mm-hmm. the one that more, more people tend to know. Um, so it was just so cool, too, because the song is also about like, you know, being bold and fortune favors the bold and this whole thing. It's like, here go the Kraken into overtime. So that's a really cool memory. And I got to take a video of it playing. And I was, I was ready for overtime (laughs) after that. That's what I'll say. And I think you undersold it a little bit too, because it was, it was overtime against the defending Stanley cup champs. Yes. (laughs) In the first round of the playoffs for the Kraken. (laughs) Yes. At home with this huge crowd and yeah, hundred percent. So I was already like vibrating just from excitement. And then I go, I'm like, what? They're, they're playing my song right now. But, and the message felt so. Yeah. It was empowering. Like what the vibe was. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. That's sweet. Yeah. It, It seems like we need to interview this music director. It seems like he also knows and has his like ear to the ground and knows what's going on. I, yeah. I love that. He's cool. We, we talked cool. to the music director for EA Sports because we, you know, it, it's been brought up so many times on this podcast, like how important the soundtrack was for those early NHL games. And some of the music is like real deep cuts. Unless you are like really into alternative music, you probably didn't know who these bands were at the time. And, uh, you know, Steve and Sabelle, who work for EA Sports, just crush it with their soundtracks. And I, I do think that that's why also so many alternative music fans, you know, gravitate towards hockey, too. I I think the, the video game aspect is definitely kind of weaving through that as well. Well, and it's like the music in the Tony Hawk games was like yep. so yep. big for like early 2000s alternative music. Oh, yeah. And a lot of those bands at the time, too, like like Sugar Cult, for example, like that, like I knew of them before that. And I granted I was a small child, so I knew of them because my dad knew of them. But I remember hearing it on the video game and then all my friends now, you know, knew of Sugar Cult, too. I'm like, wait, what? You know, Stuck in America? Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, they probably weren't watching Van Wilder. Well, Maybe. Wait, Maybe. Stuck in America okay. is one of those sugar cults, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 Like, like that, sure I'm not conflating because I didn't even know that was in Van Wilder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the whole sugar cult album is throughout the entire oh. Van Wilder movie. Okay. Well, whatever. No, it's Tony Hawk to me. <laughs> and it was crazy, too, because like we, we heard all those songs in the Tony Hawk uh, games, like as we were like kind of growing up. 
And then to hear them in sports games, like I remember like vividly playing um, NFL like 2005 or 2006 and Blink-182 was on it. Event Sevenfold was on it. Um, who else was on there that I like, I listened to. There were so many like cool bands. CKY was on that one too. And just like being like, Oh, this is like the songs I heard on Tony Hawk. And then I would start getting into it more. And then that's how I found out about CKY and sort of watching Jackass a little bit more and kind of just like expanded from there. But it's just so cool how like that whole like pop punk alternative music scene really like influenced so much of like 2000 to 2010 for sure. Oh, yeah. So um, outside of like the in-game presentation, um, I know you mentioned a few Kraken players who you've kind of realized that are into pop punk and alternative music and kind of shared some recommendations. And uh, I'm just curious, like, how did that conversation come up? And then like, once you guys figured out that you had similar music taste, did you guys like instantly become best friends? Because that's kind of how it is in my world. Like whenever I find out that someone knows, you know, the, not the fallout boys, but say like the, as tall as lions or Gatsby's American dream, like some of those deeper cuts. Once I figure that out, I'm like, all right, this is my person. Like I'm going to like chew their ear off and talk music with them forever. So like, I guess how, how has that come up for you in the past? And like, I would just be so over the moon to be able to give some NHL player, some music (laughs) recommendations. (laughs) Yeah. So for sure. So the Kraken, um, obviously I, talk with a lot of them frequently but usually it's just about hockey but there are a few opportunities to talk about other things and one of them is we shoot this segment where we call it two minute minor but we put them in the box for two minutes i set a timer and i just fire off as many questions at them as i can in two minutes they're usually like easy-ish excuse me easy-ish things um but one of them is always what's your favorite genre of music um and then what's your like go-to pump-up song? So those are the two that are like about music. So I'm able to get an idea of what all of them like or listen to based on that. But I remember um, last year or two years ago now, I guess it was the inaugural season. We did one with Chris Drieger, one of our goaltenders. And he said his favorite genre of music is 2000s pop punk. And a go-to pump-up song would be anything Blink-182. That's what he said. Anything Blink-182. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then after I said, after we were done shooting, I just said something to him. I'm like, Hey, if you ever need any pop punk recommendations, that is specifically what I listen to. And he was like, Oh, really? You know, I maybe don't look to most people like the person that would be, you know, would have grown up on pop punk music only and only really listens to that. That's not true. I listen to other things too, but mostly like alternative. Um, and then I just continued to do this with all the other players learn things about them a lot of hockey players at least with the kraken really like music um a lot of them can play instruments maddie Beneers can play like the saxophone the violin the clarinet the guitar the piano like he can i think there's two or three other instruments he can play so and a lot of them can play guitar morgan geeky he's with the boston bruins now but he loves music um, so any Bruins fans listening, Morgan Geeky loves music. He he more likes like indie rock and like indie folk kind of a thing. Um, but he plays the guitar. Um, Jordan Eberly loves rock music, but he does not like the kind of rock music that I like. 
Nickelback is his favorite band ever. Loves Shine Down, Theory of a Dead Man, Three Doors Down, Ugh. you know, Buck Cherry, <laughs> that kind of a thing. That Terrible. is terrible. Yeah. Well, I am not going to say that to Jordan Eberly. You feel free to let him know. He also, because he's kind of like the vet, the de facto captain almost on the team, he gets to play the music in the locker room and he's always the first one there. And so it's always the same. <laughs> the same. There's, there is a couple, um, some 41 songs that are in that playlist, but I can literally tell exactly what time it is now based on what song we're at in Jordan Eberly's pregame playlist playing in the locker room because I sit outside there. Um, but yeah, so anyways, I know Chris Drieger is a big, is a big pop punk fan. He's asked me for some recommendations before. And, um, I don't know, I don't know how he is into bands that are like a little bit smaller, but like, I know that I told him like, you should check out Broadside, for example, because I think Mm -hmm. Broadside is a good modern pop punk, nothing crazy or too heavy. Cause I don't know how heavy, you know, he is into stuff. So Anyways, but every time that he sees me, he's always telling me about stuff. And um, I also he saw came him. from Florida, right? Yes. Yep. He came from Florida and he was in the uh, Winnipeg wonder, organization for a I while. I wonder if he knew like that Ian from Newfound Glory is like a diehard Panthers fan. And like, maybe he's at most of the games. Like that's, he's at almost every game. Almost I should every ask game, him. Yeah. I should ask him. Um, he's actually working on a film right now, which is really cool. He was injured for a while. So he started producing this film on, I think it's called Pacific beach hockey. It's the Pacific, it's the roller hockey clubs that yes. were in oh. California oh, in yeah. the nineties. So him and Max McCormick, who's also a player, um, in the Kraken organization, but he's down at the Coachella Valley have been producing a film on this, on this roller hockey league. And he told me that one of his favorite parts of it has been, uh, getting music and picking the music and getting like 90s vibe music and exploring what people would have been listening to, especially in Southern California. Cause in the 90s in Southern California, if you like, if you like pop punk, you're in good shape. Cause that is Goldfinger. That's where everything came out of that's there. Where that's where they were born. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and he said that they're not doing like all just pop punk music, but he said they, you know, they were shopping it around to networks and stuff. So I think it should maybe be out soon i don't know exactly what it's called or what that timeline is but i'm excited to see that i'm like it's a chris trigger produced film with soundtracking in part by chris trigger that's cool yeah that that was the league that had the boards that kind of went yes behind the goal yeah Yeah, went behind the goal on a ramp (laughs) it's crazy it was was crazy and that and that's what chris said he said that you know people were just kind of showing him what it was and he was like okay you guys are making a movie on this like I want to get in on that. And I kind of have time right now a little bit. <laughs> I, did, were you able to have that conversation with like Yanni Gord about like what his favorite uh, stuff to listen to is? Cause I kind of no. want to know like what weird Quebec music he listens to, or if it was influenced more by like his time in like Worcester or like Syracuse. Yeah. I don't know what Yanni listens to, to be honest. I don't, he doesn't strike me as a person who is super into music though. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've never, like some of the guys will be very vocal about like, turn that off. I hate that. What are you playing? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like Vince Dunn. Every, this is a fun hockey slash music stat for all of the Kraken fans out there. Every time that Vince Dunn has been the locker room DJ before the game, taking the power from Jordan Eberle, they have won. A true fact. Oh. And I know when it's Vince Dunn because I have Jordan Eberle's pregame playlist memorized, <laughs> but Vince Dunn's is like lots of like Drake 
it's 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 hip hop, but it's not um like it's, it's like top forty hip hop. Well, it's not because I mean, like Drake is, but it's not the um, it's not like the trap sounds. It's not the mumble yeah. rap sounds. It's more it's more true to hip hop. Like there's definitely like some Biggie in there. Like yeah. it's it's more a little bit classic sounding hip hop in air quotes. Um, and, and rap, but it's, yeah, it's not the super modern mumble rap vibe. But anyways, um, they are, I, I don't know how many times it is, but every single time he has been, I think it's 10, maybe like nine or 10, they have won. So I was trying That's to tell crazy. them during the, during the postseason that they should let Vince DJ every game, but Jordan did <laughs> not think that was funny. So well, I think, I think the fans, the fans should just do a, a big old voting thing just to get Vince done to continue to, to hit that playlist for the next four years after his extension. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, and I think I, I did tell, I know I told Vince specifically, like, just so you know, I've been keeping track and you are, you know, 10 for 10 or whatever it is on, on your locker room <laughs> DJ. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to use that. Is that <laughs> Vince fun talks? I'm going to use that. I'm like okay, that sounds great. For, for what? <laughs> what are you going to use it for? To anyway. Leverage, <laughs> yeah, leverage. I guess and that was the big part of the contract negotiation because you know, just yeah. avoided yeah. arbitration. That was a big part. He needed that written in there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I made that up. They threw that. At, yeah, they just threw that in as a dog ear for it. Just every other every other week, he gets he gets full dibs on a on the Spotify playlist. <laughs> I would love that privilege. That'd be right. such an honor just to DJ the locker room. So, so dope. Yeah. But um, Piper, I want to definitely jump into definitely way more about your solo career and kind of what got you hooked on alternative music. But before we do that, I do have to let everyone know about our sponsor, DraftKings. So new customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on, on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Resorts. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet of $50 plus $10 and legal requirements for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Turns at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All right. So, Piper. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Piper, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, you tweeted out that Sharia Moore was, like, crashing at, like, your parents' house. And that was what, like, got you on my radar. I was like, what the heck? How does she even know who Sharia Moore is? Because 
two or three years ago, they were just like coming out. Like it wasn't like they were a household name yet. So I guess just kind of fill me in on how that happened. <laughs> and like, when did you <laughs> become homies with them? I, I, I'm yeah, just so yeah, yeah. curious. Well, okay. In this specific instance. So um, my little brother used to have a, stream he used to basically go on twitch and he had like a show a weekly show or maybe even was by like twice a week i'm not sure um where he would bring on pop punk bands and he would interview them while playing their video game of choice so he would invite bands on and then they would all be you know on on camera and he would interview them but they would also be playing whatever game that they wanted to play and um he That's got a, a lot way of, better idea yeah. than bar down breakdown shit. Well, he was, <laughs> yeah, so he was making like decentish money doing it. It was when he was in college, so you know he had more time, but also didn't really care about life because he didn't have to yet. You know, he didn't have a real people job yet, and all that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, but his whole thing was supporting small bands. So he actually had a website, and it's still in his Twitter bio. It's support small s m o l bands.com so that was this whole thing was finding small bands and asking them to come on to give them what promo he could i mean obviously he's not inviting newfound glory on because they're not going on this random college kids stream probably yeah maybe you know so anyways sharia moore came on multiple times he became like total homies with them he's like he's really good friends with them basically my little brother and then in turn i have met them multiple times in online and all of that um and Ronnie, their their drummer, Ronnie Sherman, he is actually the one that got me connected with my producer because I had been reaching out to all kinds of producers, but it, it was really hard to find producers who you can, one, afford and who actually will work with you, but who also make the kind of music that I wanted to make and had the sound that I couldn't necessarily achieve on my own because I didn't know how to mix my guitars to sound exactly like that sound, you know. You know what I'm talking about, Justin. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean. So, and it's it's, and it's hard to find people. So I asked Ronnie because I did, I wasn't trying to make music exactly like Sharia Moore, but they'd all also been in different bands and they were all over Baltimore, the music scene for a long time. So, anyways, um, he got me connected with my producer Eric Taft, who is one of the frontmen in the band The Great Heights Band. If you're familiar, they're doing a bunch of festivals actually with like the home team and all these other. Um, they've been. Um, he's mixed like less than Jake's new record and pink spiders and all kinds of stuff like that. So he, he's, he's legit. He's legit. He's very legit and he's super good. Um, but any, and I, I love Eric, but anyway, so just all these different things. And then when Cherie was trying to tour, my dad used to be a musician. He was in a band. I grew up going to his concerts, um, and down in Minneapolis as a small child all the time. We had a music studio in our basement when I was a kid. So he's, very he was very very happy to support you know these guys touring living out of a van they're him and my stepmom were like making them dinner and whatever and just letting (laughs) them crash and my dad also like collects skateboards um and he's he's friends with like a bunch of pro skaters from the 80s you know all the people that were like his total idols and stuff um and so they were just skateboarding in the garage and all that but my family live in they live in wilmington north carolina now i'm from minnesota I'm from Minnesota, but they live in Wilmington. So I think actually Cherie was trying to go down to Florida or that's the tour was stopping along. So Wilmington has become a pretty good stop for them, um, just given that they can 
crashed at your my parents', parents house. yeah now <laughs> and now my brother and now my brother um both my brothers live there during the pandemic and everything you know life got shuffled around for both of them and my little brother was graduating from college and all this so he ended up moving there as well and now he does not live in my parents house so now i'm sure they would probably just go crash at bingham's my brother's <laughs> instead of at my dad's house but I don't know. Bingham's probably not as good of a cook as my stepmom. Yeah, he's, so. he's probably not hosting the way your mom, your yeah, stepmom and dad were. <laughs> and something cool too, actually, my older brother, um, his birthday was in February, and my little brother threw him a surprise birthday party in which he invited bands to come play a private show for him. And he flew. So basically, all of my brother's friends, my older brother's friends, don't live in North Carolina. They all flew there to surprise him. Went to his favorite bar. And my older brother walks in. Not only are all of his friends there, but so is Sharia Moore and House and Home. And they both put on, oh. yeah, so it's House and Home and Sharia Moore. And they played this private show for my brother and my family and their friends. I was not there because I was actually, I think I was in, I was actually at the Islanders game now that I remember it. I was, yeah, because it was right after the, uh, the All-Star break and we had to head out to the East Coast. So anyway. Yeah, I didn't get to go, but it was really, it was really, really cool. And so, yeah, Bingham, my little brother, and Sharia Moore, they're boys like that, where they'll just come do that kind of thing. So it's That's cool. Sweet. House yeah. and Home is one of those bands that does not get talked about enough, and they are so talented. Like I love everybody in that band. Like we're really close with the uh, the Richmond scene, mm-hmm. and just like that, the the culmination of that band between like Pat, Colin, and everybody. They're just such cool people to be around. Like we've played a couple shows with them when they come down or when we go up to Richmond. And I don't know, man. Like I I they should be they should be talked about bigger. a lot. Like yeah. to the they point where like balance and composure was talked about at the same time in their career. Yeah, for Hands sure. Down. And you know what's funny too is um my my family, they're big merch buyers for small bands, you know, the whole yeah. support small bands. So and that doesn't mean that they don't love the Blink 182s and all of that, but they definitely try to if they're gonna like buy vinyl records and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, buy them from bands that they want to see flourish more. So my dad and my stepmom have all this house and home merch now. Um and they they uh, were here renovating our house and my dad was wearing one of them and it's like covered in sawdust and he washed it like 10 times. He's like, I have to I think I just have to throw it away. And so then he tried to throw it away. I was like, no, you can get sod. Like you might have to wash it more, but it'll be fine. So then I kept washing it and we just had a family reunion in Utah and I brought it and I drove and I was like, look what I saved. And he was actually so happy. He's like, that was my favorite sweatshirt. So it's just it's just funny it's just it's just a band but it's and it's just a piece of, piece of merch but now it's also like a piece of our family you know you know what's crazy is that your parents probably own a shirt that my singer guitarist screen printed potentially that is hilarious because they do a lot of the house and home stuff and to ship it up to richmond that is that is i'm gonna tell them that because that has to be hilarious i'm sure <laughs> i think we have we definitely have like every piece of merch that sharia moore has ever sold my stepmom is always wearing sharia moore stuff but she really likes that's the other thing she really likes their designs that they've had so mm-hmm. she's like oh she's like, I'll, keep, them, yeah. I'll keep supporting the boys <laughs> if they keep making cool stuff it's like one yeah. of those weird like five degrees to kevin bacon moments yeah and also ironically my brother's little streaming thing is also how I ended up finding the home team. Cause he had the home team on, or he at least, he at least had Dan on. I think he had, he had two, at least two of them on. I don't like, I know Brian wasn't there. 
I don't, I wasn't on the stream, so I don't remember exactly who, but then him and Dan became friends. And then once I moved out to Seattle, Bingham was like, oh, you got to go see the home team. This is Dan, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, hi. <laughs> and also at the same time, you know, I was also like the new kid on the block with the new NHL team and like the broadcaster and, you know, like a kind of a public persona. So at the same time too, I think they were like, well, this could be actually kind of a cool friendship we have like a hockey broadcaster and we're a band that is like originally a sports themed band called the home team um and funny enough we just kind of like became friends and whatever we went to one of their shows and i got to like meet them in person and dan had seen me tweeting that my husband was on this hockey team in the kraken hockey league which is like the adult league here and he was playing in the championship and dan was like oh i hate your husband because he's on that team and blah 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 and he was so (laughs) salty and i was like i don't know and then and i guess that these two teams have like such a bad rivalry that my husband was like i don't think i even want to go see the show anymore if he's on that team like it was so bad and i'm like are you guys serious like what what are we doing here we go to the show, they meet each other, and uh, I think the team that they didn't that they don't like is called the Northwest Stars. I think that's the team. And mm-hmm. Dan's like, So you're a Northwest Star? And Jake was like, No, I'm a Mustang. Jake is my husband. He's like, No, I'm a Mustang. He's just like, You're a Mustang? And Jake was like, Yes. And Dan's like, I'm a Mustang. And Dan's like, Well, I haven't been there all year because I've been on tour, but that's my hockey team. Oh. And Jake's like, We're on we're on the same hockey team. Like it's like that Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing, yeah, at, we're each all other. pointing at each other. Yeah. It, it was crazy well, that's though, funny because they thought they were enemies for months. And then they were like, no, we're actually boys. <laughs> yeah. Because the picture that Dan sent us when he was on probably like 150 episodes ago, he was legit wearing a Mustangs Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And then they won the championship. Dan hasn't since rejoined the team, but they won the championship. Um, like this spring or whatever. Dan was like retweeting it on the home team account, I believe, or whatever. And he's like, yeah, go Mustang. Or maybe he was just interacting with me because I tweeted it. I can't remember. But yeah, it was it was funny. It was very Great. funny. So they it's a enemies to friends story enemies. in in our in our household with, with Dan. Yeah. We gotta get the home team on that little stage in in climate pledge arena because I, I, I feel I like- think they want to. I feel feel like i saw them tweet something about wanting to but i'm not sure yeah that would, needs to happen it would be, no that'd be a, an awesome just show to for everybody to watch because i feel like the home team has asked can win over yeah they can win over anyone yeah, even people and, that aren't like, into this type of music especially like brian's voice and like the yeah. way that they do like certain like dance parts of their songs mm-hmm. like i don't know they could just they could knock out like three four songs and just like win over the entire arena Oh, yeah. I also Easily. think it helps that the sound in there is so good in that arena because mm-hmm. as I'm sure you guys have know when you go to a live show with a band that is heavy or heavier if the sound like it's not like that you can be an amazing band but if the venue sucks or just doesn't sound good it can just get blended up and you know so but that arena is the whatever the opposite of the the shitty scene is is that arena it's like the sound is so amazing that I think they would sound so good in there <laughs> Yeah, that needs to happen. We're we're putting it out there on this podcast. Hopefully someone hears it and makes this happen. That'd be so yeah. sick. I I don't have any power over that, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe David does the music director, but I don't think he books bands, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Never know. Keep keep adding them on Twitter. And if you're listening, let us know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so um I, I do want to I guess we we talked already about how you produce the music and it's so funny that it all came back to Sharia Moore, but um like when did you fall in love with emo and pop punk music? Because in you know, Minnesota you have Motion City soundtrack and like tiny moving parts now back when you were falling in love with it, it was pretty much only motion city soundtrack. So like, what was the, the local scene like? And like, four letter what? Lie too. Oh yeah. Four letter lie. Yep. Like who else got you hooked to this kind of music? Yeah. So, um, one thing of note is that my family was not originally from Minnesota either. They were from Wyoming and my dad was a total skate punk comic book kind of a kid um and he joined a band when he was like 18 or whatever um and my dad was as i mentioned earlier a musician and super into music and he still very much is into music and for many many years it was kind of like the only thing in my house basically pretty much my whole life like the like my first memory of listening to music ever was goldfinger's mabel and i used to call it the puppy song Cause there's the line. Do you guys know what I'm talking about in that song? I know it's yeah. such a specific Goldfinger song. Yeah. It's so random, but Go um, deep cut Goldfinger kids. <laughs> yeah. So Mabel was like my favorite song, and I and I know because I was literally in a car seat, like a full harness car seat, strapped in in probably 1998 or nine, maybe, and that's what I was listening to. Also, I remember listening to Du Host a lot when I was a like, a lot of there was, there was, yeah, there was <laughs> no children's music happening in my house. Like there was no, there, there was no children's music happening. Also, like I had never heard a rap song at all until I was in middle school, like at a dance. And my dad, like we did not listen to radio. We didn't have anything. And this is the time too, before the internet was the way the internet is, especially for children. So if your parents didn't show you it, you like didn't know it, right? So I was sitting here with the suicide machine, steal this record CD, bringing it to school. Like, look, it looks like Candyland, but it's like kind of satanic. <laughs> like that was me at seven. I'm like, I'm dead serious. Another thing I like I can think of is like, I went to a less than Jake show and I was, I was probably in like third grade probably and i got a t-shirt that was a kid's t-shirt and it was just like a cool it kind of had like a cartoon island scene on it of the band and uh the drummer was like an octopus and so he had like drumsticks and his little tentacles but he also had like a cigarette in one and a cigar in one and i got sent to the principal's office for inappropriate paraphernalia on my shirt i didn't even know what that meant i didn't know what that meant and they call my dad and made me leave school for my t-shirt. And I was devastated because one, I was a good student, but two, because I was like, what do you mean? My brand new less than Jake t-shirt. I can't wear it to school. I was like, I can never wear it again. I have it in my house somewhere. I wish I would have like brought it it's like this big. So anyways, I just grew up listening to that kind of music. Like I said, my dad was in a band. So on Saturdays, he used to drag us down to random storage units in Minneapolis, which is like an hour and a half away from St. Cloud storage units that his band was practicing in. And I would literally just sit there. Me and my brothers would play marbles, marbles on like concrete while they were practicing with earplugs in like that. And I know that sounds insane, but so basically that's what I, that's, that's, I, I was living it, breathing it, eating it, you know, like my whole life. So, 
Um, uh, but my dad was in like an electro punk band. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to like a lot of like kill Hannah, um, was like kind of the music that he, he was into. Um, Avon pitch was a Minneapolis band that they played a lot of shows with who still has kind of fun music. Um, so more that kind of stuff. And then he started when I was in high school, he started getting really into more and more and more like electronic music. My dad really was interested in how, you know, throughout the years music was changing and how you could use you know the like the industrial sound is what he started yeah. getting really into and so we started going to more stuff like that more and more but uh the the pop punk vibes lived on so anyways like goldfinger and mest and less than jake that kind of thing is like that is what i love that's what i like grew up with um obviously like blink but not not as much Blink as like Goldfinger was like a really, really big one. A lot of good Charlotte, like a, a lot of that kind of a vibe, you know, the sugar cult, the Rid Ridlin kids of the world, those kinds of things. And then all time low started getting popular when I was in like middle school. So like then the main is like probably my favorite band just yeah. because I just think they're so versatile and like they never miss, like they make all this new stuff and it's not that everything is a huge hit or crazy or like, innovative but it's always just reliably good like it's just yeah. and they and they've got different genres kind of woven into their stuff so i love the main i always did um i yeah. feel like i missed out on the main and and kind of all it's time not too long. late they just yeah. released more music because i i the the very last warp tour and i i've talked about this on the podcast many times i've done warp warp tour for like 15 years at this point when i yeah. went to the last i was one. going to warp tour as a child <laughs> yeah so like i was old i was in my 30s and i was like i can't like bake in the sun in north carolina anymore like i can't do this so they had it at the amphitheater so the main stage was under an awning and there was like ceiling fans and it was the most comfortable warp tour ever Nice. So I sat in a seat the entire day oh and God. did not move. <laughs> and the main played obviously main stage. And one thing that like stood out to me is it wasn't even their lead singer. It might've been their drummer or someone came out and like by himself, just killed Celine, Di Celine Dion. Mm -hmm. My heart will go on like crushed it mm -hmm. vocally. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, I didn't even really know too much about the main and then the whole rest of the band came out and then that's when i realized like that's not even the singer yeah <laughs> they like just they're a group of like musicians through and through which also i think is why their lead singer john o'callahan tends to like be kind of more the face of the band because they're there which makes sense the lead singer being the face of the band but they really like they're like musicians like i think for this for the group it's been like music and art first but also a commitment to making things that people want to listen to because sometimes when people are like music art first sometimes it can get very experimental or kind of crazy you know how many times have you had a band that you love and then they go do solo projects and you're like what are you making but that's also what music is all about too is about that self-expression and that exploration but yeah i think i also think that's why the, the main has been able to like last for so long because they just they just make things that people like but they continue to keep the sound at the forefront of it and of making just music and not about all the other all the other stuff that surrounds it which can totally help a band grow but at this point you know they don't need that yeah yeah they don't need it yeah oh yeah so um 
you know, we, we've been chatting for almost an hour and we can probably go forever because <laughs> this is awesome. But I do want to talk a little bit more about your, your solo work. Um, have you had an opportunity to play any of these songs live yet? So I, I played one live show last summer here in Seattle. And the reason that I played it is because my friends who are in a band, I mentioned them earlier. They're kind of like a, kind of like a coheed sound. Um, their band's name is Avenue East. They've played a climate pledge and all that. Um, but I'm pretty good friends with the guys in, in that band. And they were like, Hey, we're playing this show. And we think your music is really cool. Cause I mostly just was like posting stuff as I wrote it, like on Twitter. Like I, I didn't really have anything out yet. And I wasn't, I wasn't really trying to like, I, I don't know. I was just kind of being passive about it. And they're like, we just think like, even if you just played an acoustic set, you should just go. And I was like, I don't want to play an acoustic set. Like that's not really how I want my music to be heard, but I can't play right. a whole band and I don't have all the gear to do this stuff. And they're like, we will learn all of your songs, whatever you want to play. And we will be your band and we will open for ourselves because we really think that you should start playing this stuff live, which was really cool. But they also just in general, they just, I think it's not that I wasn't confident about my music. I just didn't really know if anybody cared or actually liked it, but I also didn't care if they liked it or didn't care about it. Cause I was just making it for me mostly. I just, you know, writing as a hobby writing to for expression and for doing something to take my mind away from work, which consumes my life nine months of the year, which I love my work and hockey, but it is good to have something else so that you're not just spiraling on a hockey spiral sometimes. Oh, yeah. I know that might be blasphemous to say on here, but <laughs> no, no, I totally get or, it. So anyway, so like just like their support of it, they're like, no, it's so cool. It's so good. And so I was like, OK, so I went to their band practices and they all were learning my songs and we played this show and I had a like a decent amount of Kraken fans show up. And I'm assuming maybe that had some um value to them was that they thought that if I was playing, then they would get more Kraken fans who would show up if I was advertising it a little bit. So I get that too. But yeah, it was cool. And uh, then I started getting stuff actually like produced and mixed and, you know, released and stuff. Um, it, it's not that I wouldn't play another live show. I, I would, but I don't have a band. So they're, and they are like their own band, you know, and I think they maybe would play if I was booking shows and stuff. But I also have such a small window of free time. And now I do baseball in the summer too, that it's like, it's kind of hard to figure out how I'm going to do this and what I'm going to do it and kind of balancing as my music has grown, what that also looks like for my broadcasting career, because oh, I get all these questions now from people, especially media types, you know, asking me like, oh, well, are you wanting to be a musician? Because there's a lot of people who get into TV who um, just want to be on TV. Like they were like theater kids. Right. And they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, I don't actually know anything about this sport or I don't know anything about news or whatever it might be. And that's kind of a stereotype. And I'm like very, um, against ever having that be a perception about me because that's not accurate for me. But so I can see how now that I'm releasing music, it's like, Oh, do you just want to be famous? Is that the whole thing? And I'm like, no, it's not. But also to make it, to make it in air quotes in broadcasting is really hard. Like, I always tell people, you know, you think about how hard you think it is to become a professional athlete when you're a kid, you know, okay. So there's 26 guys on this roster, on this team, there's one of me. So there's like 32 people in the NHL who have my job basically, except in Canada, they got like all kinds of, you know, random oh, yeah. national correspondence. But for the most part, it's like, it's, it's a very hard job. And I worked for a long time. I spent 
hours and hours and hours, I mean, weeks really just purely networking, trying to get my name out there, get my reel out there for people to watch me so that I could have this kind of an opportunity. And I also am fully aware that that's exactly what people in music do. That is what, mm-hmm. what I had to do to get this job is exactly what people in music do. And I don't want to say it's that I don't want to do it, but it's that I feel like I already put that work in to get to this goal. And this was the goal doing that for music wasn't the goal if if my music blew up just because people loved it and they connected with it that would be dope but I kind of in my mind I'm like I've already reached the the actualization that I was looking for that I you know wanted for my actual career Mm -hmm. so anyways I love making music I'm gonna keep making music I have a song that is almost done that I'm hoping I can have out in August but we will see um and that one is like really important to me but I, I have so much music that's what also kills me is I literally have 60 songs that are basically just sitting out there that just need to be like mixed essentially and like but it's expensive and it's time consuming yeah. and to get even oh, yeah. just to get it all registered you know like you 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 probably know Justin but even even just to get it registered with with BMI or ASCAP and then get it on your distributor and getting art for it, finding the artist who that you like that vibe and you want to get the art made for, it, especially when you're doing singles. Cause I'm basically oh, yeah. doing singles. Just so I do that Brian. every time. What? Brian will help you out. He actually did a lot of the graphic designs for, uh, for my band when we were releasing. Oh really? Music. Yeah. Wait, Brian yeah. and the home team? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He's okay. a graphic designer. So he actually went, so we home, the, like the home team and us, we were on the same label for like six months uh, and then they just went to thriller and they, he was the one that was contracted out for all of our artwork. So we would send him all of our, you know, photos and everything else. And he would kind of like, you know, design it, put everything together yeah. and push it all out for social media. Yeah. That's cool. That's another yeah. thing too. I'm like, I don't have any artwork that has like pictures of me on it or in it, but I don't think I really want it. to. Like, I don't really think I want to do that vibe, which I understand why other people do, especially if you have a full band or something, you know, like it makes more sense. But and I'm also like, OK, but if I want to go that route, then like, what do I, I got to find like a photographer to go take a photo of me? What kind of photo? Like, what am I like? Like, I just don't I just like to sit at my laptop with my acoustic guitar and just and write music. songs. And I, yeah, that's that's what I like to do ultimately. So and it's. It's not that I didn't like performing, but it's just that's not necessarily what I'm in it for, you know? Yeah. Anyway, long story short. <laughs> long story well, long. Luckily, you are in, you know, a city that has a thriving music scene. So if you ever did want to go that route, like there's tons of venues and, you know, I'm not sure if El Corazon is still around, but it is. That... In fact, I saw the home team there once. Yeah. Like <laughs> speaking of the home that... team. That that is a life goal of mine because now that Gatsby's America Dream is playing shows again, is to see them at El Corazon because the, their album that they released in like two thousand two or three, they came with a live video like DVD as well of that home show, and it was bonkers, like people jumping off the balcony into the pit yeah. and shit, like absolute yeah. craziness. Yeah. And, we, um... I want to experience that. The crowds here are definitely wild. We saw, we actually saw Blink-182 at Climate Pledge like two weeks ago, which was an amazing show. 
they were way better than I thought they were going to be because my family had, I had never seen blink for somehow, but my family had seen them 10,000 times. Either. Yeah. They're like they're okay. Like Tom is Tom, you know, like <laughs> just whatever, <laughs> like Travis is amazing, but they were like, you know, it's not maybe worth spending a bunch of money on a ticket, whatever. We'll see. They were really, really good. But yeah, crowds were like moshing to always. I was like, what are we doing down there? Like always? <laughs> this is the mosh song? Like Blink-182 in general is obviously like the definition of like pop punk because they're so poppy. So it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's just funny. Anyway, I think yeah, the crowd, Florida, crowd will mosh. Someone in Florida actually got on stage and he was wow. abruptly tackled by someone three times his size and they literally grabbed him like a child by like the arm and the leg and just threw him off stage Jeez. <laughs> it was it was uh it was a sight to see but i we were i was laughing because the the night the night of the concert uh we have a group chat and two of our band members went and someone goes hey i just heard someone got thrown off stage and they all confirmed it and then three hours later i saw a tiktok about it i saw him get tackled and I was like, this is so good, like perfectly oh. timed. Oh my gosh. That's people people are crazy, especially yep. in Florida, Justin. I'm sure you oh, know yeah. Florida man headlines. Yep. Oh yeah. I grew up in Miami and I moved to Orlando when I spent too much time in Tampa. Why are you in Tampa so much? To go catch the bolts. Oh, okay. Great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> he likes the bolts, unfortunately. Okay. I do okay. like the bolts. Okay. That's fine. That's respectable. Our color analyst, JT Brown, obviously played for the Lightning, and mm-hmm. he still thinks that the Lightning, they do everything right as an organization. And they don't. They're just a world class. And we're like, okay, JT. We're up. doing everything he right. He the Kraken for... do too, but. Oh, that's probably why. I roll. Yeah. I, I love... think what he's saying is their weather is right. because Yeah, you like that you could go golfing year-round, JT. Yes, speak that's later. what he likes. And my whole thing too is that I love the Bolts organization. I hate Tampa fans. Mm. I think Tampa fans are the absolute worst. And they don't know the thing like okay, not a majority of them don't know a thing about hockey, so they don't know about the rules or anything. Like we laugh because we saw someone Googling like how many periods are in hockey when we were at a game last time. At least they didn't say quarters. Oh, that is true. <laughs> Which would, would be been four, worse. that's what a quarter means, but. <laughs> but, like, we've seen people, like, like yell at offsides calls, and we're just like, that's clearly offsides, or being like, that's not icing, and it's like, that's 100% icing. Like, just, yeah. just watch the game and research outside of the game. I try my best not to interact with fan bases as much as I can. Even oh, though, yeah, that's like, a good, good plan. I mean, like, one time I tweeted, like, it was at a Canucks game and it was just some random middle of the season. I mean, I get that it's, you know, their fans are very volatile right now. Sorry if I'm offending any Canucks right fans. Right now. Many, they've done many two mass city riots. <laughs> right, right. I know. I, I Also, I'm talking about like last fall as well. So right now is just kind of a blanket term because it's. I just like talking shit there. about the Canucks because nobody likes them. Great. There you go. Great. Yeah. And I'm not really supposed to, and I'm not going to because, but anyways, I remember tweeting just something like Adam Larson has played 31 minutes or something like he, he's one of our defensemen. He played that many minutes in the game. And then somebody was like, well, uh, Quinn Hughes played blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, and it was like this really rudely worded tweet. I'm like, I didn't say that Adam, like, it was like a, like a season high of minutes he'd played or something. 
it's not that he's the reason they're winning or losing this game. It was literally just a straight up fact fact and also that is a fact no matter who they were playing it has nothing to do with you like it doesn't mean like and i was like okay and then i think i said i was just like okay question mark and then someone's like she can't handle blah 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 i'm like what are you talking about like i just try not to talk to yeah people. don't especially no, because i'm like a public that. figure and a broadcaster like they'd love to just like come at us about random stuff so i'm just like yeah and only they don't allowed- know me only they're allowed to talk badly about the Sedins. Nobody else can talk badly about the Sedins unless you're a Canuck fan. Right. But I am not, I will not speak online poorly about like any random team, especially a team that we're like playing actively yeah. that night. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, Quinn Hughes sucks. Like, what? <laughs> like, no, also, that's not my job, but I'm not going to do that. And I don't think that, obviously. Like, I'm like, yeah, Quinn Hughes is really good. What, what, like, what's, yeah, what's the and- argument there? And like, yeah. What are you gonna do? Burn your city down? Oh, haha! <laughs> yeah, you're making it work. Like, if you really, if you really cared about Quinn Hughes, you guys would knock it off. Yeah, it would be nice to him. He's working hard. He's trying his best. <laughs> yeah, he's trying his best. Anyway. Yeah, tw- Twitter for sports can be uh, a, a real dumpster fire. Well, and and I'm easy to find. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious how Threads is going to be like because obviously it's the off season right now and things have slowed down a little bit on that app. So like, I'm curious how it's going to be during the hockey season. We'll see. I don't know. I've chirped at least ten NHL franchises right now on Threads <laughs> just just because. You're I was just like during the pot, Justin. Yeah, I do. I love it though, and I do yeah. it for the band account too. Um, Justin's the meme guy, and like. <laughs> Just loves memes and stirring the pot. Well, That's the blue sure. jackets, the blue jackets go. Uh, uh, they were like, "Oh, where are all my blue jackets? Uh, let me, let me hear you." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, they can't hear you after that last cannon roar." And then, <laughs> and then they said something about like, "Oh, it, yeah, it was the blue jackets too." I was, I was ripping on the blue jackets all day. They said, "Oh, uh, we're the we're the first NHL team on uh on Threads," and I said, first on Threads, last in the league." last in their division <laughs> you're yeah so you're out there you're actively yeah, he, you're actively on the chirp train i yeah, he's yeah. Troll. Like, <laughs> yeah i got so much crap from avalanche fans too during the playoffs which i also <laughs> understand you know but it was so telling the reaction that i was you know i was going on different guest spots and all this stuff when the kraken were you know, crushing in in the postseason or crushing yeah. the expectations that existed for them in the postseason, but it was funny because yeah, just all these Avalanche fans were like, "What the Kraken? We lost like that to the Kraken?" And it's like, they, yes. yeah, they had one season that like wasn't good, but where have you been? Like they made history <laughs> by sweeping that that fourteen day seven game road trip, and they shut out the Boston Bruins at home when they'd only lost two games the entire yeah. season at home at that point. That was at the end of January, like. It was just kind of, it was like, they're a hundred point team. Like, what are you also, we beat you both times already this season. Like, what are you mad about? Like, I'm so confused. Like, and they were like, oh my gosh, that guy scored for the crack. It's like, that's their whole thing is that every single person, at least that was the story of last year is that they were such a depth team. They didn't have a single $6 million player. Like Mm -hmm. everybody was just like a depth guy and they all could contribute and they all had to contribute to win. But that's also why I think it was frustrating for teams to play them. We were like, oh, we have like two or three superstars because, okay, we'll just 
roll out one line that sh- is supposed to defend your superstars. And we got three other lines that can and do and will score, you know? So yeah. anyways, I-, I can get how that's a frustrating way to lose, but it was also like, the- like nothing that the Kraken did in the postseason was surprising to any of us no. who'd been covering that team the entire year or like, or to the players. Like they were just, they were so chilling in the locker room. Like they were like, they were way more chill once we, in a good way, like focused, but like relaxed. Cause they were just like, they thought it was funny that everyone's like, well, are you surprised your team's playing that well? They're like, no, Whoa. like where, <laughs> like, where have you been? Like, we're not surprised. Like, yeah, it sucks. We don't have Andre Burakovsky, but like, we've been pretty much okay without him. Like, it's fine. Like, it's just, it was just funny. But yeah, I got so much hate from Avalanche fans. I would just be like, Morgan Geeky with, the first goal of the playoffs, and it was just like, rah, I'm like, I didn't it's, score the goal. <laughs> it's funny because, like, so the the Kraken are, are the, the exact opposite of the Toronto Maple Leafs, where the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs, every single line, like, every single line has a superstar or two superstars. And then you look at the Kraken, who objectively have gone further in the playoffs than Toronto has mm-hmm. with – a, with just a, a depth team and, and it's the same thing like like when when vegas came out and they picked up the best third second third and fourth liners in the league and they made a stellar team that went to the the playoff like that went to the stanley cup their first season mm-hmm. because they got all the bad news bears like there was just literally a, a team like the little giants Mm-hmm. that nobody wanted on their teams anymore they're just like oh take them take them, yeah. take them. that's that's something I, I love about the kraken too is like there's so many players who've come out to be these incredible mm-hmm. like franchise players for us so like for example i think of jared mccann who was somebody who was just literally just traded around the league like he just turned 26 and he'd been on five nhl teams like and we got him in the expansion draft from the maple leafs who he'd never even played a game with like he'd only been there for like a couple days acquired in a trade just like so i also get like why the maple leafs would have you know he wasn't really integrated into the group yet or anything but he is like one of the by far the best players on the crack and i'm sure he's going to be a bobblehead guy next year you know what i'm saying like he was the first player that they ever extended the contract of like all these guys who were just they just needed somebody to be like, hey, we believe in you. And then then they're like, okay, bet. And then they're just able to flourish and come alive. And it was, yeah, it's really cool. And it's been it's been fun to watch. Even players like like Vince Dunn. Like he he was the team's MVP this year. And you know, he won that Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues, but he was kind of overlooked in a way. But he, he mm-hmm. was also still growing his game and stuff. But it's like, well, he had a huge upside. They picked him up and they got the benefits of that. It's crazy what happens when when you take the spotlight off of, you know, the awesome Matthews with Mitch Marners yeah. and you and you start seeing all these depth players that are just like, no, they're great players. The issue is, is that you're not paying attention to them. Yeah. And it's and also, you're not giving them the chance to shine. It's also funny. Like, I think the Kraken are built or they were last year. You know, they had some decent changes. So we'll see exactly how it carries over. But they were built to be like the perfect adversary for a team like the Edmonton Oilers where the Oilers are like, we literally, we have these just like two superstar players. And then we have like a couple that are like, you know, decent stars, like, you know, the Evander Canes and whatever, but like everyone else is almost on like a conveyor belt of like, well, we don't have any cap space. We don't have any cap space. So we just got to bring in this guy. We got to bring in this guy. Cause we don't have any cap space. So it's like, 
the the paradox of can you win a Stanley Cup by having to pay both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl just because of the other personnel like I don't know versus the Kraken are like we don't have a sick a single six million dollar player we just got a bunch of two and three million guys like and and it's and it's a good it's a very good formula because it was always really fun to to watch those games if you let McDavid go then you're in trouble no matter who you are but mm-hmm. But their defending and their schemes for the Kraken were very fun for them to to push up against. Anyway, I wish I wish there could be like a, like an interview with like the the owners of the Kraken and the general managers and be like, did you guys watch Moneyball before you, you know, <laughs> set up this franchise? <laughs> no, pe- people did kind of like at the end of last season. No one of like super no, but that was like kind of a a conversation it was like did they like accidentally or on purpose like build a money ball team but general manager ron francis has always said that this was his this was his intention but also his intention was to keep building you know what they yeah. did last year was incredible and you know they're disappointed that they didn't go further but and i wouldn't say that they're surprised that they went that far but i think he's very much like yeah that's exactly what we thought would and should happen you know maybe there was a couple best case scenarios in there but that that is the team that I was building that is the scheme that Haxtell has been trying to get them to buy into and to play in and that yes that was what we expected like we're not surprised (laughs) yeah I I think that's the kind of the direction the NHL's going in you know the Islanders are very similar with being a systems team as well and Mm -hmm. you know we, we do have a few contracts that we're kind of stuck with but for the most part it's more of those second and third line guys that are all contributing having four lines that you can roll out at any point and and that's kind of the way the nhl is going especially for the playoffs I, i really think that type of game is meant for the playoffs so like as long as you could squeak in and then run that system like you're you're in good shape you're and that's why you're seeing a lot of these you know number one overall seeds getting knocked out by the eighth overall seed like you might be able to win a bunch of regular season games but that is completely different than playoff hockey playoffs baby it was and it was almost cracking in vegas in the third round you know like like they took the stars to game seven too but that was a very sad game seven for yeah i was disappointed in that one crack it but I don't hate the stars as a franchise. I know I'm not like supposed to probably say that given the context of that, but I, and also that they came out of Minnesota, but I actually like Joe Pavelski. I, I do like Joe Pavelski. I used to cover Wisconsin Badger hockey for Fox sports, Wisconsin. So any of the Badgers, he's a good guy. And when he had that hat trick, no, he had four, he had four goals. I was like, well, if the Kraken win, this is a great Piper case scenario because Pavelski <laughs> gets to come back from an injury and just light it up, but the Kraken kid to still win. So <laughs> and I actually believe, I think they lost that game. I can't remember. It's all blending in my mind now. I well, was in Dallas back does. and forth for weeks. The traveling. I'm so yeah. bad with remembering specific games. I don't even try anymore. Well, and it was like the only <laughs> thing I was doing for, you know, over a month. It was just these games. So now they've now that it's the summer, they've blended yeah. a little bit into my mind. But hey, at least you got to hang out with Kyle from the stars for Oh my god, a, I love like Kyle. A week. Yeah. He's oh. he's a pop punk homie too. Yes, he is. That's how he that's how he found me. 
Yep. Like, he's oh, he's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's always mixing in like song lyrics into his like post game wrap up and and things like that, which is so cool. I love when you know our buddy Dave Courtney does that with the Florida Panthers too. Like just mixes yeah. in pop punk and emo music whenever he can. Yeah, it's awesome. Love Kyle. That was one thing too. I was actually I was like, well, it sucks that we gotta keep flying down to Texas because it's not like a quick trip from Seattle. No, I was like, no. but at least the um the organization, the stars organization, at least for for my job and my purposes, was always been like so helpful and easy to work with. And Kyle is amazing. And so he would always be like, Do you need anything? Like, are you all good? And also he's a homie. So that was also cool. So I was like, at least at least if we got to fly down here, it's like they got plenty of space and good, you know, all all those things. And the people are cool and easy to work with. So, yeah. Definitely makes it better. Yeah. Well, Piper, this was a ton of fun. And, you know, I appreciate you coming on, even though it's your off season, but you're still grinding with all the other games that you're covering. So I appreciate you making time to talk some music and hockey with us and you know anyone that's listening definitely go check out piper's tunes on spotify or wherever you listen to music it's just piper shaw it's super easy to find and uh it rocks you know lots of you know just heavy pop punk tunes like you know that's what and we're if you all find about anything here. that you really like tweet me <laughs> tweet me if you if you're listening to this and you go listen to a song and you like it let me know Hell yeah. Yeah. Let Piper know because it rocks. And, uh, you know, I'm just loving to see the cracking keep mixing in some of this music as well. And hopefully we get that home team show at Climate (laughs) Climate Pledge Arena. That'd be so dope. You're going to fly out for that, Mikey? No, I'm saving my flying out to Seattle for a Gatsby show at like El Corazon (laughs) or something like that, where my wife and I can just go because. That's kind of how our whole relationship started was because of our love of Gatsby's American Dream. So that band's very special for us. But I appreciate it, Piper. And, uh, you know, I guess before we let you go, are all your socials and everything just Piper Shaw? Um, If you search me, I should come up. But on Twitter, I'm Piper Shaw TV. Um, And then on Instagram, I'm Pip underscore Shaw. And I don't know what I am on threads. I think I'm some number code, but I'm not sure about how threads look up, fully work. I look up her name. Yeah. Yeah. If you search me, it'll come up. Or if you go to my Instagram, they have got that it's link. In there. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I just literally went to threads and it told me to follow Brian because now Brian's on a, hmm. on a thread. So more home team shout outs. <laughs> hey, at least, at least it's relevant. Seattle hockey. Yep. You know, it's relevant. For threads, it's actually the exact same as your Instagram. So Pip underscore Shaw. Oh, that's nice. There you go. Thank Pip you, Shaw. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll let you go and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch. But thanks again, Piper. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you. Yep. See ya.